the last week of the series on God and money. Next week, we will begin a series on servanthood. And next week's going to be a real special um, uh, start to that series because uh, it's going to be the, the title of the series, or the title of, the, of, the, uh, of next week will be The Weary Story. A lot of you have heard Weary mentioned, um, that Weary Housing and the ministry out there, but unless you were here 15 years ago or 20 years ago, uh, you probably don't really know what's out there or what's been done or, or any of that information. Well, you're going you're gonna to learn some stuff next week, and we're going to, over the next few weeks, be talking about servanthood, uh, of which being a steward is part of being a servant. So let's get into this uh, series. Uh, let's get into this last uh, sermon. We're going to read a passage, if you'd stand with me, that we read before, but we didn't go quite as far with it as we're going to go today. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the life that is in your word and the, and the light that is there. I pray for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit because, Lord, I know that I do not have the capacity to convey what you want conveyed this morning. But the Holy Spirit can take my feeble attempts and can turn it into life for someone. And I ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is a jealous God. Eighteen times the scripture reminds us that the Lord is a jealous God. And a lot of people have trouble with that concept because jealousy is something that, when it's related to us, is almost always a negative thing. It, it's, it's almost always something that's, that's not good to be jealous. But here's the thing. God is not us. God is not a man. God is not a woman. God is beyond us. His ways aren't our ways. The, judging, uh, judgment is not something that we should be doing. It's not something that we're very good at. Does that mean that God shouldn't judge? No, of course not. He can. He's God. Now, when it comes to jealousy and being jealous in, in our world, it's usually because we, somebody has something that we don't have and we want. Hello? Who has anything that God doesn't have and wants besides your soul? Yeah, that's what he's jealous for. And jealousy has to do with suspicion. You know, I think maybe. Yeah. Let me tell you something. God is never suspicious. How can you be suspicious when you know everything? 
I mean, really. God, God is never sitting up there going, I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder what they're up to. <laughs> he knows it all. So, no, God is a jealous God because he is jealous for us. He knows that the alternative to us worshiping him are these gods and these masters, if you will, in the world that are not gods, but are real, and he knows what they will do to us. And so he is jealous for us on that account. There are many gods in this world, and besides the Lord, they're all false, but there's only one other master that Jesus warned us as rendering us incapable of serving God. And that other master is money. Yeah, or moolah, as someone just said. And money is a cruel master. First Timothy. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Notice it does not say some of the people who want to get rich might fall into temptation and a trap. Those who want to get rich inevitably will. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith, pierced themselves with many thorny griefs. My friend uh, Bob Huey was telling me about uh, a retreat that he spoke on, I don't know, up in Colorado or something. This was decades ago, but a guy came up to him afterwards and said, and, and Bob, I don't know if he was talking about money or not, but Bob came, uh, he came up to Bob afterwards and he said, I want you to know that my goal in life is to make all of the money that I can and become very rich. Now, what do you think of that? And Bob said, I think you are getting ready to be pierced with many thorny griefs because that's what the Bible says. That's, that's exactly what it is. Money itself seems inanimate, and it is inanimate, but there is a powerful spirit behind it. And I intentionally chose this picture to put behind it because I think it is a spirit that is insatiable. It's a spirit that always says more. It doesn't matter what end of the spectrum you're on or, or where you are along the line, whether, whether it's poverty and I need more or whether it's extravagant, incredible wealth. I've got to keep the stockholders happy i need to keep my investors happy uh got got to continue to build because this is my this is what this is where i get my 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 value my worth this is who i am and and the spirit behind it is is a very powerful thing uh and that's one of the things that i want us to understand this week, see, money is not a kingdom device, as we're going to see in a little while, but it's a powerful illusion of the world. Now, I'm not saying that money isn't needed in a fallen world, but we must be aware that it has to be handled with, with, with great care. If you buy a ladder and take it home and open it up and set it up, you will read such things as, warning. Do not stand on your head on the top rung of this ladder. That could be dangerous. 
You'll find all kinds of ridiculous. Do not operate this toaster while bathing. You know, that, that kind of stuff is, is, is literally on those things. This doesn't come with a warning on it anywhere. Somebody, somebody was saying, well, it says in God we trust on it. Yeah, and, and that's not disingenuous, is it? Yeah. No. There are no warnings, but there should be. There should be. And God gives us plenty. Now, it's not, so it's not an evil thing. It's a powerful thing. You don't handle a bottle of nitroglycerin the same way you handle a bottle of water. Because one is very powerful and can do some powerful stuff. And that's the way that it is with money. Money is also an illusion. It stands for something that is real, but is itself virtually worthless. I mean, really. Uh, I promise you, a $100 bill tastes exactly the same as a $1 bill. It'll, it'll, it'll cover just as much of you as the other one will. Uh, it used to be backed by precious metals, but, but precious metals, quite frankly, are useless unless you want to make a piece of jewelry or something. You get right down to it. Now it stands for the full faith and credit of various governments, not just ours, but various governments, and it's only worth something because we say it's worth something. And that's, that's what it amounts to. Proverbs eleven twenty eight: those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. And in Proverbs, I'm only pulling out a couple of verses here. There, there are a lot of different things that are similar, but Proverbs 23, 5, cast but a glance at riches, and they're gone. They fly off to the sky like an eagle. When we were in Zimbabwe back in the mid-'80s, Zim dollar was worth uh, about 62 cents on, uh, on the exchange rate. So, you know, if you had, if you had 20 Zim dollars in your pocket, you, you could... You could do something with that. Those uh, who have been to Zimbabwe more recently, especially a few, a couple of years back, I, I think bir- virtually everything's on the U.S. dollar now. Is that what they do there? Yeah, but uh, um, they got to the place where if you wanted to go buy lunch, you needed to take a, a, few, a couple of billion dollars with you. In fact, they, they, tra- they printed a $1 trillion bill. Uh, great. Uh, but it's not just, you know, you, you kind of go, well, yeah, that's funny money. That's Zimbabwe. Hey, listen, when I was a kid, <laughs> when I want to convert things and what they cost now uh, and compare them to when I was a kid, I use a multiple of 10. I mean, gas is right now, I think it's like $3.10 a gallon or something. At least you get it in Smyrna. When I was a kid growing up, it was a 31 cents a gallon. I mean, you know, something like that. Um, you know, $25,000 family car was about $2,500 then. Uh, and it works pretty much with everything except health care. Uh, you get right down, down to it. That one, uh, that one gets a little crazy. But uh, when, I, when Margaret and I got married, uh, a year after we got married, I got a job with the Social Security Administration. And I, and I think I started at $13,000 a year, something like that. And... <coughs> The first few weeks we went through training, and the guy who was over the trainers, I don't know how many times I heard him say this, but he said, man, when I first started working here, I would have signed a lifetime contract for $10,000 a year. 
And he would have been doing okay, let me tell you. Anybody want to sign up for 10000 a year for a lifetime contract at this point? No. Okay. Money is just, it'll, it flies away. It flies away. It's, it is an illusionary thing. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. Many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And boy, doesn't that sound like fun. Money is, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And often you'll hear people correct that, the quote, because people will say money is the root of all evil. Well, it's not, it's just money. But it's the root of all kinds of evil. And people will go, ah, it's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. But often what they're saying is, and obviously I don't love money. So it's okay for me to have it. But let's, I mean, think, think. The love of money has been used to mess up a whole lot of things. How many marriages have been destroyed because of money? And sometimes, I mean, you know, we tend to think that, oh, yeah, well, they argued about money because... There were, they didn't have enough and, and all of these issues are coming. No, that's, that's one way for money to mess it up. How about the marriages that don't exist anymore because he or she spent 80 hours a week chasing money rather than cultivating a relationship with their spouse? How about the, 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 the marriages that are, how about the marriages where he or she spent months being sure they got to the mail first so that the other one didn't find out what was being spent and how much debt they were in and then when they found out it was kind of like can i trust you anymore so you're talking about debt I, look when you talk about sales and, and debt and all, you're talking money that's what you're talking about not just how many how many friendships have been betrayed over money Talking about the roots of evil? Uh, you can't really see that, and, and, and even if you could, you, you, there's 30 pieces there, by the way. How many families uprooted, either voluntarily or involuntarily, about money? I mean, taken out of a situation that was healthy and strong and supportive and totally moved somewhere else and... Came apart because, you know, well, that job paid better, or the job's dried up here, or whatever. I mean, money. How many, whoops, wrong way. How many unjust laws have been passed because of the love of money? How many wars have been fought? And occasionally, you know, there's a war that has to be fought because something has to be done. But a whole lot of them are about this. How much pollution has been brought on the planet for money? How much, how much have people absented themselves from worship and from fellowship for money? I, you know, 
I hope you understand. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. And, and we're going we're gonna to start, start feeling good here a little bit in, in, in a couple minutes. And at least one of us feels good right now. But, yeah, actually two of us. I'm feeling pretty good too. But, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't judge. Uh, I can't see into people's hearts. I really can't. And so I, I've got enough to deal with in my own heart, you know, to, to look in somebody else's heart and deal with it. But oftentimes, you know, when, I, when, I'll, when I'll see people that I hadn't seen in a long time, and I'll go, well, where have you been? You know, what, what's, what's going on? Uh, well, I have to work, and I, and I can't come in. W- one of two things is going on. And, and sometimes I get an inkling as to which thing is going on, but it, it really doesn't matter if I've got an inkling or not. It's either a situation where my heart just goes out to them because, yeah, I mean, I know. This is, they're in a, they're in a tough spot. And work is is just there and and I just go man I hate the world I hate the way this world operates the way it's put together what it does to people I just do I come Maranatha come Lord Jesus we we need this we need you quick and then sometimes I have an inkling that it's not because they got to. It's because they love one master more than they love the other master. And once again, it's not up to me to judge. But how many people pull themselves away? When, when, it, when it says that money is the root of all, the love of money is the root of uh, many different kinds of evil. It's because of the love of money that we have such words as prostitute, mercenary, exploitation. We wouldn't even have to have those words in a dictionary. If it weren't for the love of money, wouldn't have to have them in our in our vocabulary. How many souls have been damned for eternity? Many have wandered from the faith, pierced themselves with many griefs. Okay, let's start coming out the other side. <laughs> the kingdom economy. I, I said that that money is not a kingdom device. It isn't. I mean, you have. To have money to operate in a fallen world, and that's why God's given us so much instruction about it. We'll talk about that in a minute. But let's talk pure kingdom now. Because you see, in, in the kingdom, everything you need is provided. Your, 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 your food, your clothing, your shelter. Isaiah says, come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. I promise you at the marriage supper of the Lamb... There will not be a, a, a ticket taker. Gratuity will not be added to the bill at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I mean, it's just, it's there. It's available. Over in Revelation, chapter 19, verse, uh, is that 8? Yeah, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Who, who, is, who is she? Who is her? Does anybody know? Uh, the bride of Christ. It's us. You know, I, you, you, you can come in in your jeans and T-shirt, but that isn't going to be what you're going to wear when, when, when the time comes in the kingdom. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. No mortgages in heaven. No mortgages in the kingdom. Food, clothing, shelter. All of, those, all of those things are provided. And you know what? 
let me, let me do a barometer test right now because probably some of you, oh Lord, probably some of you are at this point thinking, that's crazy talk. You're just talking crazy stuff right now. You know, get, get real. That's why I wanted to go this far in the verse. The Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. That's crazy talk. You're, you're just talking crazy stuff right now. You need to get real. You need to, you need to actually get in touch with what's necessary. Well, these were the guys who loved money. They just didn't know it. Psalm 1-1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Because as we go along with conventional wisdom, as we go along with the spirit of the world and the spirit of the age, we ultimately get in the place that when we hear the truth of God's word, we go... Begin to mock. Begin to, begin to feel like that can't be right. But you see, what people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Let that sink in for a minute. Psalm 49 says this, No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. What is a soul worth? Who took up the offering? It's Brad, yeah. Cheyenne did in the early service. And he was talking about Schindler going, you know, this pen. I could have saved a couple of lives. It's a stupid pen. Can you imagine coming before God and going, you know, I, I didn't necessarily obey your word, and, and I did reject your son because I just thought that was a stupid story, but I made $10 billion, and it's all yours if you'll let me in. What do you think God would say to that? How do you think you feel about that? Oh, $10 billion. Wow, I can't believe it. Come on in. No, that's not it. You know, one of the things that I've discovered is that most weeks I can say stuff that is, you know, somewhat amusing, and people will, ah. But when I'm talking about money, I can, get, I can be really funny, and people are going, hmm. Seriously. I'm a trillionaire, God. Here, I do have all this money to give to you. He finds that despicable. Despicable. He, he despises the things that we highly value. If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, he'll give you true riches. What are true riches? Long life, health, success. No. Those things aren't true riches because you can't keep them. How about love? Say you don't need no diamond ring and I'll be satisfied. Tell me that you want the kind of things that money just can't buy. 
I don't care too much for money. Money can't buy me. Oh, you people. <laughs> Whoa, stereo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, light. Oh, you go, well, yeah, I get a bill from the light company every month. Well, not if God turns the light off, you won't. What does it cost to walk outside and see things? God himself? Oh, yeah, I need to say this. Because it just, it fries my bacon. <laughs> to watch, you know, to hear somebody on going... You know, send in $100, and we'll, everybody who sends in $1,000, God's going to, oh, mm. Mm. You know, I, I, I feel like, like Paul did, or it was Peter, actually. Yes, it was Peter, uh, to whom, whom Simon said, hey, I'll give you money if I can lay my hands on people and they get the Holy Spirit. Peter said, no, you won't either. You know, uh-uh, I'll tell you where you and your money can go. That's exactly what he said when you look in the Scripture. What is the price tag for these things? There is no price tag. So, is there a place for money in the life of a Christian? Of course there is. We're, we're, we're in this world. That, that's, that's why he gave us so much instruction about it. It's not, the, the place is not the level of, of greed that has crept into a lot of teaching. But God gives us a tremendous amount of instruction. And, and you know, we spent a couple of weeks on it. We're stewards. It all belongs to Him. If we don't keep that fact in constant sight, we'll find ourselves serving the cruel master and not even being aware of it. Not, not even knowing that, that the chains are around us. I mean, it like Ebenezer Scrooge and, 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 and uh, Marley saying to him, would you know the weight of the chain that you bear yourself? It was as ponderous and as long and as heavy as this seven years ago. You've labored on it since. And the tithe protects us. I was talking about it last week. It protects us from the grip of money in our lives. Don't ever stop to add up how much your kids have cost you. I, I was uh, talking to a guy a couple weeks ago, and he and his wife had just had a child, and they were thinking about having another one, but they were trying to, and, you know, and he was saying, yeah, they say it, it costs uh, $600,000 to raise a child now. I thought, Wow. I've got a million eight invested in. <laughs> but I wouldn't take a million eight for any of them. Single one. Don't ever stop and go, wow, you know, that's, that's, you're, you're comparing something worthless with something real, with something that really, that really matters there. And the same way, don't ever, don't ever go, 
boy, what could I do with this money if I, don't, if I didn't tithe with it? That's a trap. That, that, is a, that is a dangerous trap. See, the tithe makes the rest holy to the Lord. I promise you, 90% that has, been, uh, of, of, that has been tithed on will go a lot farther than 100% without the tithe. I mean, it, it, just, it just does. It always does. Sometimes people ask me about uh, first fruits and, and what that means. Let me just take a second on that. Let me tell you what it means to me. Because obviously we aren't an agricultural society. So when it comes to first fruits, it's not necessarily, you know, the, the first share of your crops. And, and I'm not a, a farmer. Anytime I've tried to, uh, to, to grow things, and let me just say they've all been legal. And, uh, <laughs> but anytime that I've tried to grow things that were supposed to be edible or consumable, I mean, yeah, no, uh-uh. that's, that's not something I'm going to know. Uh-uh. It's not something I'm going to bring in my house, and I'm sure not going to take it to his house. But for me, first fruits means that when some kind of income comes in, regardless of what it is, the first thing I do with it is I tithe on it. Because that, that part's holy. That's sacred. That belongs to the Lord. And, you know, I don't, I don't take care of everything else and then see if I can tithe. No, you, you tithe first, and then he takes care of everything else. Now, you, you still can't be stupid. Seriously. You, 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 you don't get ridiculous with this, but if you'll, if you'll just be a little bit sensible and put him first, then he takes care of everything else. And don't stop to think, what could I do with this? Well, let me tell you what you could do with it. Less than you can do if you give it. That's what you could do. But the real blessed life goes beyond balancing the checkbook that belongs to God. It goes beyond setting the budget of what belongs to God. It goes beyond the tithe. It goes to an area of our lives called generosity, an area that a lot of people never invade. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Oh, and God is able, I'm sorry, to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. We're going to talk about that too. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Now let me, let me say this, and, you know, and some of you are prob- probably going to get crossways with me on this, but let me just tell you, your tithe is not your seed. You remember what my, my grandfather's name was? My grandfather Meek? First service remembered. <laughs> Joseph Meek. Does anybody remember what his, uh, what his profession was? He was a sharecropper. The tithe is what goes back to the guy who owns everything. What is left is provision for you and for seed. That's what's left. 
I, uh, back when we first came here, uh, you know, it was, it was lean for a few years. I don't know how many. It was, it was back then. But it, it, was, it was lean. For, and there's been some lean years, you know, that have happened, especially around 2007, 2008. You know, there were some, there was, uh, some tough times there for several years. But I remember, I don't know, gee, this was at least 20 years ago, maybe over 20 years ago. I've been at the church for a couple of years. I did our taxes. And Margaret and I, what we've always done is, you know, we've always tithed to wherever we were, went to church. We weren't always the pastor, but, you know, we'd still tithe there. And then anything else that we wanted to give to, we, we gave to out of our portion, not out of God's portion. And, uh, and I, I did the taxes, and, uh, you know, I, don't want, I hesitate to use real numbers because I don't want people to think, oh, wow, you're... But, uh, you know, we had given more than a tithe, yeah, but it, it wasn't, I was embarrassed because I'm a pastor. I'm preaching to people about this stuff. You know, if you're going to do that, you've got to, if you're going to lead, you've got to lead. And, uh, and the Lord just really convicted me about it. And I went, okay, God, you know, I, I, I've got in my heart a baseline. Uh, and this is the tithe and this is the, the rest of the baseline for what we're going to give each year. And you know what? Every year, every year, the Lord just, just provides. You, you plant seed. You plant seed. You, you, you watch it grow. And it, it isn't necessarily a matter, like I say, of you're going to get a, a check in the mail because if that's what you need, that may be what you get. But that's a temporary thing. There are, there are better blessings than that. Every man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And if you don't address this issue, if you don't address it in your heart and, and get it clean and get it there, then the only other options you have are to not give or to give under compulsion. Give because somebody's forced you to. And both of those are wrong. Both of those are wrong, and, and please understand me. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad because I know that some of you are in situations where tithing itself is just it seems almost impossible. And maybe you have a spouse who isn't in agreement with you on it or, or situations like that. Hey, God's mercy is great. It, it, it really is. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pour out condemnation on anybody, but it's my job to tell you what the Word says. It's my job to let you know what God has said about things and so that's what I'm doing you have to address this issue in your heart so that it's not a matter of boy I don't know these kids sure have cost a lot I don't know if it was worth it or not no you don't think that once they come you know once once they come along and they want something to eat or they want PlayStation 3 or whatever it is you know you uh, if, if you feel like it's good for them you will move heaven and earth to give it to them and when it comes to this with God, you, don't, you just do it. You do it because you love. That's how you do it, not under compulsion. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Why? A cheerful giver says two things. One says, I trust God. I trust Him. And I care about other people. And you put that combination together, and you got something powerful going on. God is able to make all grace 
abound to you so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work all grace not not just money money's grace but not just that see we measure things by money but that's a faulty plumb line in the kingdom the more you give the more you get you can't get more without giving more and it's not and it's not just about money I, my dad used to say all the time uh, you know if you come to the service and you didn't get anything out of it it's because you didn't put anything into it if you put into it you'll get out of it and, and it's true but that's the way that it works and not only that the more you give the more there is how how is that possible well it's because it's the kingdom it's not the world and so it's able to make all grace abound unto us giving is always sowing and in the end the love you take is equal to the love you make can't be greater that's not scripture but that is the Beatles that's true you can't get really without giving give smiles Get smiles back. Unless it's Sunday morning and it's close to lunchtime and you're preaching. <laughs> but you guys know I'll stop on time, right? You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Oh, wouldn't you want to do that? And, and it's not just money. Rich in mercy and forgiveness. Rich in faith. Each step you take in, in becoming a faithful steward increases your faith in the owner. And you can touch others with your faith. Rich in spirit. That, that, that generous spirit is, is joyful and it's rich and it's a wonderful way to live and it enriches those around you and it makes the world a livable place. There's enough misery in this world as it is. But if we can bring that beautiful spirit of generosity of our Father who so loved the world that He gave, if we can bring that into this, into this life, things light up. People become attracted to Him. Life becomes sweet. Would you stand with me? Well, those who are going to pray for people, come forward. <laughs> and those of you who need prayer, if you'll bring $100. <laughs> you know I'm joking. You know I... Uh, huh? $100, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no and, and you know and let me also say this because some may go you know well I haven't been doing what he was saying I hadn't been tithing I hadn't been giving I, I hadn't been giving myself or anything you know I, 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 God's not going to do anything for me his mercies are brand new every morning fresh mercy and every afternoon as well and in the night 
His steadfast love never ceases. And so if you need something from God, come without money, without cost. Everyone who is weary and heavy laden, come. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'm meek and lowly of spirit. You'll find rest for your souls. Find healing. You'll find solace. If you need something, you come. These brothers and sisters will pray for you. Otherwise, we're going to, I say we're going to worship, but this is really a declaration. We're going to declare. that your fathers served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Ammonites in whose country you now live. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And that's what this choice is about. So choose life. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world and gave freely of his life to us. May he empower you. May he inspire you. May he anoint you 
to be a faithful servant in his house, distributing of his grace to those in need. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.